Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've got a terrific show for you today, including guests William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll also visit with uh, Dr. Marion Moss. He's a pediatrician and co-founder of Practicing Physicians of America. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, ba- baby formula demand and shortage. Sally Williams, Chair of the Books for Call Your Kids. And Larry Bell, Endowed Professor at the University of Houston and uh, author of several books, his latest, which I just finished uh, last week, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design, a terrific uh, and very interesting read. It is August the 19th, and on this day in 1812, during the War of 1812, the U.S. frigate Constitution defeat, defeated the British frigate uh, Guerriere in a furious engagement off the coast of Nova Scotia. Witnesses claimed that the British shot merely bounced off of the Constitution's sides as if the ship were made out of iron more than wood. By the end of the war, Old Ironsides destroyed or captured seven more British ships, the success of the U.S. Constitution, against the supposedly invincible Royal Navy provided a tremendous boost in morale for the young American Republic. Mind you, this is only like five years after the uh, start of the uh, U.S. government. The Constitution was one of the six frigates that Congress requested to be built in 1794 to help protect American merchant fleets from attacks by the Barbary pirates and harassment by British and French forces. It was constructed in Boston, the bolts fastened to its timbers, and copper sheathing, uh, which provided the industrialist and patriot Paul Revere. Launched on October the 21st, 1797, the Constitution was 204 feet long. It displaced 2,200 tons and was rated as a 44-gun frigate, although it had many times had 50 guns. In July 1798, it was put to sea with a crew of 450 and cruised the West Indies, protecting U.S. shipping from uh, French privateers. In 1803, President Thomas Jefferson ordered the American warship to the Mediterranean to fight Barbary pirates off the coast of Tripoli. The vessels performed commendably during the conflict, <clears throat> and in 17, uh, 1805, a peace treaty with Tripoli was signed on the Constitution's deck. When a war broke out in the Britain in 1812 uh, with Britain, the Constitution was uh, commanded by Isaac Hull, who uh, served as lieutenant on the ship during the Tripolian War. Scarcely a month later, on July the 16th, the Constitution encountered a squadron of five British ships off Egg Harbor, New Jersey. Finding itself surrounded, the Constitution was preparing to escape when suddenly the wind died, as we say in sailing, it went into irons, and with both sides dead in the water and just out of a gunnery range, a legendary slow-speed chase ensued. For 36 hours, the Constitution crew kept the ship ahead of the uh, British ship by towing the frigate with rowboats and by tossing the ship's anchor ahead of the ship and then reeling it in at dawn on July the 18th. A British breeze sprang up, and the Constitution was far enough ahead of its pursuers to escape by sail. One month later, on August the 19th, the Constitution caught the British warship gear, along with about 600 miles east of Boston. 
After a considerable maneuvering, the Constitution delivered its first broadside, and for 20 minutes, the American-British vessels bombarded each other in close and violent action. The British man-of-war was demasted and rendered a wreck, while the Constitution escaped with only minimal damage. The unexpected victory of old Ironsides against the British frigate helped unite America behind the war effort and made Commander Hull a national hero. The Constitution went on to defeat or capture seven more British ships in the War of 1812 and ran the British blockade of Boston twice. After the war, Old Ironside served as the flagship of the Navy's Mediterranean Squadron and in 1828 was laid up in Boston. Two years later, the Navy considered scrapping the Constitution, which had become unseaworthy, leading to an outcry of the public supporting for preserving the famous warship the Navy refurbished the Constitution, and it went on to serve as the flagship of the Mediterranean, Pacific, and home squadrons. In 1844, the frigate left New York City on a global journey that included visits to numerous international ports as a goodwill agent of the United States. In the early 1850s, it served as a flagship of the African Squadron and patrolled the West African coast looking for slave traders. In 1855... The Constitution required from active, uh, requ retired from active military service, but the famous vessel continued to serve in the United States first as a training ship and later as a touring national landmark. Actually, uh, between uh, 19, let me figure out the years here, 19, I think it was uh, uh, 1995 and 2003, my office was located about 150 feet away from uh Old Ironsides. It was really a delight to have that as a view, reminding us of our great American history. Uh, old Ironsides. And uh, the uh, copper put on by uh, Paul Revere. He's the one that fashioned that. Governor Ron DeSantis announced that following investigations by the Florida Office of Election Crimes and Security and the uh, Florida Department of Law Enforcement, 20 individuals are now being arrested for breaking Florida's election laws. All 20 of these individuals were disqualified from voting after they were convicted of murder or felony sex offense, but they chose to vote anyway, and now they have been charged with voter fraud, a third-degree felony punishable by up to $5,000 a fine and uh, five years in prison. Additionally, Governor DeSantis directed the Department of State to communicate to county supervisors of elections with instructions on records that must be preserved until additional reviews and investigations are complete. As they said, now, it seems a little severe maybe to arrest these people for this, but uh, nevertheless, it, it, I think it's a good example to show the public that, hey, don't mess with elections. They're meant to be free and uh, accurate. So uh, this is the action he's taken. He said in 2020, Florida ran an efficient, transparent election that avoided the major problems we saw in other states. At the same time, the election was not perfect, which is why we continue our efforts to ensure the integrity of our elections, said DeSantis. Our new election crimes office has sprung into action to hold individuals accountable for voter fraud. Today's action sent a clear signal to those who are thinking about ballot harvesting or fraudulent voting. If you commit the election crime, you will be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, he said. Today is about our honest, hardworking, and law-abiding Floridians, said Mark Glass. He's the uh, acting commissioner of the Florida Department of uh, <clears throat> In, in Florida, you vote matter, your vote matters to that end. We will continue to do everything in our power to ensure that we cannot legally vote uh, and never cast. Those that cannot uh, legally vote can never cast a ballot. I'm glad to be part of the team, and it's working hard to secure our elections, said Director of Office of Election Crimes and Security, Peter Antonacci. 
Our team of highly skilled investigators will conduct a thorough investigation, and if any evidence of election crime is found, there will be criminal sanctions. So another step of just indicating that our elections will be secure in Florida. And uh, additional news in Florida, uh, Florida Surgeon General Joseph Lopato highlighted a preprint from Thailand which reportedly found that 3.5% of adolescent boys receiving a second dose of COVID-19 vaccine had overt or subclinical myocarditis, inflammation of the heart muscle. Uh, he, he tweeted the CDC governor, uh, government doing similar prospective study uh, in the U.S. Is anyone? The Surgeon General questioned on Twitter. A, break, a breakdown of the study from uh, Vinay Prasad, an associate professor on various medical subfields, uh, slammed policymakers and, and leaders for ignoring suggestions of remedying risks of myocarditis via lower dosages, single dosages, exemptions, restrictions, setting higher bars for boosters for men and, and uh, so forth. Instead of taking any of these actions, which we suggested at the time, the public health community downplayed, gaslighted, and misled about the concern, he wrote. Current COVID vaccine guidelines for the state of Florida warn against young people, particularly young boys, from receiving a COVID vaccination because of the risk that may outweigh the benefits. Currently, our available data, health, uh, ch uh, healthy children aged 5 to 17 may not benefit from receiving the currently available COVID-19 vaccine, he said. The survivor lists uh, several factors that may cause risks to outweigh benefits of the vaccine, including those already low risk of severe illness to COVID-19, high prevalence of immunity in children, absence of data supporting vaccination benefit on children with immunity, higher than anticipated adverse events in, in vaccine recipients, reduced e efficacy in children 5 to 17, and the risk of myocarditis. I mean, this goes on, and I'm really, really pleased that... Uh, uh, Dr. Joseph Lopato is uh, taking these steps, pointing this out. Uh, there are severe risks. In fact, Edward Dowd yesterday, I was watching uh, his uh, interview with uh, Michael or, or with, uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm forgetting the name now, but on, on War Room, point being, uh, he, he said that basically there's a new report out that's showing that there is a, a substantial spike in deaths not related to COVID-19, but related to the vaccine, possibly to the vaccine. It hasn't been totally proven, though, but a substantial spike of people uh, in the ages of, let's say, uh, 21 to 50 in that age group, in that cohort. So the point being is that there could be a lot of effects that we don't quite understand at this point. And having kids take the vaccine makes absolutely no sense because, again, the consequences of getting the uh, virus are very, very minimal, very few hospitalizations, deaths, and uh, quite frankly, myocarditis or heart disease, the problems that develop from taking the vaccine, certainly don't warrant the risk. Well, Alina Haba, an attorney for former President Donald Trump, doesn't have overwhelming faith in the Department of Justice's upcoming redactions on the affidavit that launched the FBI raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort. The U.S. Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt, who originally signed off on the search warrant, has given the DOJ and Attorney General Merrick Garland first crack at handling the redactions, but Haba isn't expecting anything of consequence being released to the public. Not now and maybe not ever. Reinhardt is the option to overrule Garland on the final redaction, said Haba. So let's see what this might look like in terms of leaning or learning the pretext behind the search warrant. 
Hobbs also said that the DOJ's affidavit vaguely alleges Trump's wrongdoing on the three fronts, concealment, espionage, and destruction. What garbage. Unbelievable. However, the charges don't make sense to me since Trump was cooperating the entire time, said Hava. What people don't understand, the president has different kinds of privileges, executive privileges, she said, adding that President George W. Bush and Barack Obama exercised similar declassification privileges with documents after leaving in 2009 and 17, respectively. But no one uh, likes to talk about that, Habba said, laughing. Instead, they, they're taking the antiquated laws and shoving them down the throats of people consumed uh, with left-leaning media. When asked if Trump officials were seriously considering the release of the Mar-a-Lago video chronicling the FBI search on August the 8th, Habba responded, I would love the country to see what I saw in the cameras. That's a nice tease, isn't it? So who knows? Maybe we'll see this. In any event, uh, just a, a real—it's uh, a real uh, Democrat hit job, in my opinion. Well, this uh, segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541.
Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hearing the uh, Lulabee's Diner commercial reminds me they have a new menu, including uh, Blue Zones-inspired menu items. is just really terrific. And it's my favorite place for b- breakfast or lunch. So, again, uh, Lulabee's Diner in the uh, Green Tree Shopping Center. Terrific place. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Marion Moss, a pediatrician and co-founder of the Practicing Physicians of America. Right now, we have with us William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Cato Institute. You bet. Uh, We're a think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're dedicated to advancing the ideals of free society at every level of government. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So, William, we're looking forward to hear about uh, what your opinions and thoughts on what's going on in Capitol Hill. Among them, uh, of course, uh, Mar-a-Lago passports, affidavits, all kinds of things happening with regard to this unprecedented raid of the uh, past president's home. What are your thoughts? Well, indeed. So uh, more details have emerged since we spoke last week, of course, and, and you alluded to a couple of them. Um, you know, I guess the Department of Justice clarified that they had seized 11 boxes or 11 sets, what they call them, of classified material. Um, they also, I guess it was an overbroad search in some aspects, as you mentioned. They also seized uh, President Trump's three passports, mm. um, which they duly returned. Um, regarding this classified material, Trump says that he had issued a, a, some sort of blanket order declassifying it. So, right. so it was contested as to whether or not um, he was in possession of illegal material as to begin with. Um, more details are coming down the pike. And again, so you alluded to this as well. The Florida Judge Reinhardt, who's overseeing these proceedings, um, signaled that he's likely next week to release that affidavit. And we spoke of that last Friday. That's uh, the document that contains all the juicy details behind the warrant um, that justified, that established probable cause for um, the raid of of former President Trump's home. Um, So we're we're likely, I guess, as soon as perhaps next Friday to get more details. Um, But all of this isn't to obscure what I think is sort of the big takeaway here, and, and I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that the party in power is investigating, you know, the guy who might be running in 2024. Um, and it's not just dyed-in-the-wool Republicans who, who are seeing this. I mean, it's uh, Joe Rogan, who runs a, a phenomenally popular podcast, um, this week, you know, speculated that, you know, as much, just saying he, he can't really see uh, anything but a political motivation behind this effort. Um, And with all that said, it does boggle the mind a bit that the Justice Department and the FBI have not relinquished uh, uh, authority over this really politically sensitive investigation to an independent counsel or to a special investigator. I mean, you know, like a John Durham sort. Right. Um, So it is uh, that's sort of an ongoing uh, uh, perplexing matter, at least in my opinion. I mean, we've seen... It's it's a terrible thing, but we've seen a lot of Trump, or not a lot of Trump. We've seen a few of Trump supporters um, outraged over what's going on, uh, overreact, um, and I think that sort of political fallout could have been predictable, given the fact that again we've got the, an incumbent president, uh, uh, his administration investigating, who 
very well someone who could very well be his his opponent, his political opponent in 2024, yeah. and who had been his political opponent in 2020. So all that's to say, given these obvious political, you know, it's political dynamite, mm-hmm. um, why this is being maintained within the Biden administration, why they have not lent any independence to this effort, to me, raises all sorts of questions. Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, I think the uh, typically they assign uh, a master, I've forgotten the complete title of this uh, person, who then would take over reviewing the documents to see which ones should be returned to the president, which ones would be retained that support the investigation. So uh, that would be that independent person that you're referring to. Uh, second of all, though, apparently this uh, has something to do with uh, the previous investigations where FBI may have been involved, for example, in the, which led to the first and second impeachments of the president. Uh, so it may be a little bit of uh, trying to cover their butts. <laughs> I'm talking about the FBI for what might be in those papers. It is. Well, if I, well let me pull on that second th- uh, the, uh, pull the thread of the second point you just brought up. Mm-hmm. And I think you're alluding to what was, to my eyes, a bombshell report this week in the New York Post by Paul Sperry, um, where he reported that this raid was conducted not by the FBI's Miami Miami office, uh, as, as many people might have assumed, mm-hmm. but instead by the FBI's counterintelligence unit out of D.C., which is the same unit that ran Operation Crossfire Hurricane. Yep. Um, that's where Paul Strozik worked. Um, and this gets to what I was talking about. This is the independence I was talking about. It, it, you know, just on its face, those facts raise all sorts of red flags. You don't have to be a Trump supporter to be, you know, to scratch your head when you read that. Um, and that's what I'm talking about that within the, the Biden administration, that this sort of this investigation, this uh, were it to be a prosecution, should be conducted by some sort of independent entity, you know, right. a special prosecutor or, or, you know, a special investigator. Um, uh, so it, it is, uh, that, I guess that speaks directly to, to what I've been to my point. I mean, you know, it is um, given sort of these obvious political overtones and on their face, these damning facts. Um, it makes no sense to me that they have not tried to distance themselves. That, that is the Biden administration from what is going on. If anything, they're making it seem part and parcel of, of um, you know, in, Pardon, that's too strong a word to say, but it doesn't seem coincidental that, uh, that being anti-Trump is is the centerpiece of the Dems' re-election strategy in 2022 this year and in 2024. Um, yeah. So it just stinks of politics, and, and at least to me, and I think to others. Well, you know, um, the, it would make uh, a great deal of sense for the Biden administration <clears throat> to lend some independence to this effort. Well, I, and I would agree with that. Of course, if you use Occam's razor, apply Occam's razor to this situation, uh, obviously having an independent investigator to review materials that may uh, affect uh, FBI previous FBI illegal behavior probably is too much risk for them. So at least, you know, and when, when we don't have full disclosure, uh, d- uh, disclosure, this is what happens. People like me start making stuff up. <laughs> That's actually worse than the truth, probably. I don't, you know, again, I don't think you're ever making things up, but I do think people are, can jump to conclusions yeah. given the lack of transparency and seemingly the political overtones of this effort. Absolutely. And before I let you go, uh, any comments about the uh, Inflation Reduction Act? Well, yeah, nothing to add other than what we've spoken before. Um, you know, it's certainly Orwellian title. It won't do anything about inflation. It wastes about $400 billion on this climate stuff. 
Um, and as you so eloquently put a few Fridays ago, it's a pity they don't try deregula- deregulation. It's a pity they don't try to lower the tax burden on American businesses in, in, in order to try to grow our economy and thereby yeah. fill our tax coffers. Um, so it is somewhat of a missed opportunity. William Yeatman, again, research fellow at the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit Cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Dr. Marion Moss. He's a pediatrician up in uh, Pennsylvania. He's also the co-founder of the Practicing Physicians of America. Hey, so what's happening with this uh, baby formula issue? We're going to be talking about that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples' only vitality and longevity practice where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com. Or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Sally Williams, the chair of the Books for Call Your Kids. Right now, we have with us Dr. Marion Moss, a pediatrician and co-founder of the Practicing Physicians of America. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure to be on your show. I'm, I'm talking to Naples, right? That's right. Down yeah, in, we were just down there. Love it. Oh, I, I hope you enjoyed yourself. It's a, a fabulous place. Great place to live. In fact, it uh, uh, was a, uh, said to be the happiest and healthiest place in the United States of America. 
Well, I was outside almost the entire time, moving almost the entire time, having great healthy food. So no wonder, right? Yeah. Well, congratulations to you. So uh, you're the co-founder of the Practicing Physicians of America. What's that all about? Yeah, that's correct. Um, well, is, isn't it obvious that healthcare, medical care is broken? Yes. You know, I yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows you're all paying more, you're all getting less. Yeah. So um, I I started looking at this when I woke up after having our three children in four years, and I I kind of woke up after the the fog that is residency and then early motherhood. Um, you know, my husband and I graduated from Duke Medical School, and I felt like when I was at Duke, we had a a, a wonderful version of medicine. You know, doctors were in charge of the care of their patients. Mm -hmm. We were autonomous. And when I woke up <laughs> after going through residency and then young motherhood, I was like, what happened? It feels like everyone else is telling us what to do. And we have to go back to those patients and look them in the eye and tell them we can't get them what they need. Mm -hmm. We're not in charge anymore. And it's not a power play, but it's more about a lot of other people are in the room. So... I didn't think the AMA was up to snuff. I didn't feel like that they were doing their job. So I got together with a group of physicians. We're nonpartisan. We actually cross the aisle and we agree on a lot of things. We started PPA in 2017. And then in 2019, I wrote a position paper, um, presented the paper with lots of experts at the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. And PPA became part of the Free to Care Coalition, Free the Number Two in Care. We're wow. now 8 million citizens, 70,000 of those are physicians. Fabulous. I think we're a better representation for physicians and patients than most of America has. Well, based on your explanation, I certainly wish you high, a great deal of success here on this because, you know, well, quite frankly, some of these that are interfering are our federal government right now, and there's just too much participation on the government in terms of uh, health care, in my opinion. You're correct. They've done enough. Please stand down. <laughs> so you wrote such an interesting piece in the New York Post. Biden must demand the timid FDA act as the baby formula shortage grows even worse. I thought that problem would be behind us by now. One would think, you know, I mean, before the uh, before COVID, you know, when you looked on the shelves, there was only like a five to seven percent of reported baby formulas out of stock. And then um, in late July, it was actually higher than it was in May. Remember, mm. everyone was talking about this in May. Right. 23% were out of stock. Now in July, it's like 28% are out of stock. I mean, a nation that can't feed its babies, yeah. it's, it's shocking. And, and so some of it is is delays, you know. I mean, we could be importing European formulas that are thought to be healthier because of very strict um, guidelines on the bans on some sugars that are in there. But <laughs> there's a, a label problem. The FDA has a label problem. There's restrictions on uh, these formulas that are thought to be healthier are shut out because of labeling requirements. It's like, you know, it, for the sake of children being able to thrive and eat, yeah. can we please? Like, I don't want to hear about food? your sick and starving baby. We've got to get the label right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That makes no no sense whatsoever. So again, here we are. We were talking a little bit about the government, quite frankly, standing the way of progress here. What should the F, what should Biden do about this? Well, I mean, I think to lean on the FDA uh, to uh, push back on these labeling requirements would certainly help and would be 
an immediate fix. Um, I, I think we have to take a look at the, the whole supply chain for baby formula. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the time of the, you know, this, this happened in part because we have a quasi monopoly in baby formula. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's good things and bad things about the baby formula supply chain. So first of all, let's hit the good stuff. Cause I like to be a positive person. Good. Um, baby formula is a bit of an outlier. Uh, 98% of what we consume in America is made here. And that's unusual because we don't have much made in America. Usually, right. 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 So, um, that's, that's a, an outlier and that's a good thing. But then just like a lot of the other supply chains in America, we have a quasi monopoly. There were three companies, Abbott, Mead, Johnson, and Nestle, that were responsible for 98% of all of the U.S. supply. And Abbott, at the time of the recall, made percent of the U.S. market. And that one Michigan plant where we had the shutdown made about 40% of Abbott's production. Hmm. And that was a huge problem, right? So mm-hmm. you have one plant that's doing everything. And, you know, if you picture the FDA's main job is to ensure safety i I kind of half wonder to myself if we need to like zoom out take the thirty thousand foot view and ask the fda what are you busy doing in there mucking up with the alzheimer's medications and whether or not it's efficacious when your job is really to handle safety you know if you're not handling the safety right why are you getting on to other things i mean this is a an a government agency that has 18,000 employees and has a budget of 6.5 billion with a B. Yeah. And you're, you're supposed to ensure safety of baby formula. And yet when you look at the timeline of that Abbott plant shutdown, the plant that was responsible for 40% of Abbott's output and Abbott itself was responsible for 48% of the formula. When you look at the timeline of that shutdown, what was the FDA doing? You know, in fact, uh, this whole uh, pandemic issue has created a lot, in my mind, a lot of doubt about the FDA, about the uh, CDC and so forth. And, uh, you know, again, where are we putting our resources and why are we doing it? And are we getting anything in value back in return? And I think you're making a case now that uh, if nothing else, that I mean, I understand that from your column, I believe that uh, the uh, baby formula, there was some uh, uh, filth, or I'm not going to uh, exactly define it correctly, in the plant, but certainly not in the baby formula. And nevertheless, it's caused this this slowdown of uh, supply. That's correct. Well, actually, the original whistleblower complaint was reported in October of 2021. A whistleblower uh, you know, came to the FDA and said, there's some unsanitary conditions here at the Sturgis, Michigan plant. But then the recall of the plant didn't happen until February of 2022. And that recall was based on the fact that several children died of a uh, coronobacteria, Hmm. which was found actually not to be in the powdered formula. So it's possible that it came from a water supply outside and then was brought in. Um, the very bacteria was found in the plant, but not in the formula that these poor children, you know, um, tragically passed from. But so the recall was based on children dying from a separate issue. But then the FDA official didn't even know about the whistleblower complaint until March. It was like four months later. Wow. And they closed the entire plant when I, I think like they should have looked at certain lines because 
you know, as a pediatrician, I can tell you there's some babies that rely on formula, you know, and, and our baby formula companies are making specialized formula. There are some children that cannot breastfeed due mm-hmm. to medical reasons. Wow. So uh, uh, in, in a perfect world, uh, Dr. Moss, what would you like to see happen? <laughs> oh, wow. You gave me the magic wand. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see the FDA be accountable for all of the, you know, $6.5 billion that they're spending. I'd like to see uh, Congress be accountable for the fact that they're just passing acts. Uh, you know, I believe there, there was a, a, an act that crossed the line in the House. I don't think it got through the Senate, but um, Representative or Chairwoman LaRora, I think, from Connecticut, you know, passed something to just like, let's just dump $28 million more into the FDA to fix the problems. Uh. I, I don't want to I don't want the money dump anymore. Right. I, I want accountability for that. And I'd like to see the FDA. I mean, you know, not that I'm in charge. And and actually, I'll say, you know, I I, I trained at, at Duke University. The person in charge of the FDA is a cardiologist. Seemed like a bright guy. I never worked with him, but um, seems like a very accountable fellow, Dr. Robert Khalif. You know, maybe like starting at that 30,000 foot view, backing up and saying, OK, Let's prioritize here. Yeah, I mean, I, we're, we're hearing all about monkeypox now, and we have babies that can't get their formula. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. priority. Triage, please. Uh, well, uh, government accountability sounds like an oxymoron, quite frankly. So, <laughs> No, no, I take here. You know what? It's we the people. We are supposed to be the government. And if we don't like what we see, then we got to replace what's in there. Absolutely. So, Doc, Dr. Massa, is there a website for practicing physicians of America? Yep, and for free to care. Um, you can go to uh, practicingphysicians.org to find our website, and we have a blog on there. We talk about all kinds of stuff. And you can go to um, free, the number two, and care. And if you look that up, you'll find the free to care organization. Very Both good. Both of those things are also on Twitter. And um, we're not so active on LinkedIn with PPA, but free to care is, is active on LinkedIn. And I'm active on both places myself. Please sure. come find me. All right, Dr. Marion Moss, I just genuinely appreciate this information. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Thanks for the call. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Sally Williams, chair of Books for Kaya Kids. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting uh, Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University.
Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, hearing that uh, commercial for Dr. George Markovich, he just replaced my hip as well, so I'm feeling better as a result of that as well. Uh, this segment of the show brought to you by uh, Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and uh, building a 44,000-square-foot uh, Performing Arts Center in downtown Naples is going to be absolutely fabulous, and you can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell. Right now, we have with us Sally Williams, Chair of Books for Kaya Kids. Sally, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Good morning. Good morning to you. Sally, tell us about Books for Kaya Kids. Uh, Books for Kaya Kids is an all-volunteer organization uh, based in Collier County, and uh, since 2005, we have given more than 1.5 million uh, new, high-quality, age- and curriculum-appropriate books to children in Collier County to take home, share, and cherish. Uh, we have no staff. We don't pay any rent. Um, all volunteer, huh. and uh, yet it's uh, similar to the Little Blue um, engine, you know, I think I can, I think I can. Uh, basically, we just uh, identified children um, within the schools as well as a number of other partners um, as far as nonprofits. And we provide for the children in the pre K, kindergarten, first and second grade, um, a brand new book to take home every single month during the school year. Wow. Um, so our partnership with the Collier County Schools is um, critical. They are one of our principal partners. And uh, last year, as well as this coming year, uh, we will give more than 100,000 books to approximately 10,000 students wow. uh, each school year. That is fabulous. I can recall going to the library, getting books when I was a little kid, and how much difference that made to me. Why is this important, and what what is the impact? You know, the proof of the pudding is always in the tasting. So uh, what's been the impact of the program so far? Well, the, um, the need, um, whether it's um, in Collier County or other places, but definitely in Collier County, is that so many children in our schools um, are economically disadvantaged. Uh-huh. Uh, they come from homes where English is not the uh, primary language or even the spoken language. And so consequently, uh, by the end of uh, fifth grade, 
if children are not reading, uh, they will, um, they're typically like three grades behind, and that lack of basic literacy that you and I and so many of your listeners take for granted uh, places uh, the children at much higher risk for academic failure, delinquency, uh, teenage pregnancy, substance abuse, unemployment. Um, it really is um, an alarming statistic when we um, enjoy the, um, uh, the beauty and the affluence in Collier County uh, that 90% of the children in the Collier County schools um, are in the Title I schools, and that was our first focus, to give the books to those children. Right. But after the pandemic, we realized that uh, even in the other schools that did not qualify for Title I, which means 75% or more of the children uh, qualify for the free or reduced meal cost program, uh, there are children in all of the schools that do not have books in their homes. And so we have expanded from just the Title I schools uh, to uh, um, additional schools. So now we are providing books to the children in 26 of the uh, 31 elementary schools in Collier County. Wow, those are, that is so impressive, Sally. And, you know, I think about, uh, in, in some cases, I'm sure uh, when the kids get a book, it's their very first book. It's the only book they have. And especially when you mentioned that uh, many of these uh, families are English as a second language, I mean, this is an opportunity for them to, uh, you know, to uh, catch up or to, uh, you know, stay, at least uh, keep their skills while they're uh, having a summer vacation. Um, absolutely. Uh, speaking of summer, uh, we have been uh, basically fighting summer slide um, for a number of years now, uh, where we provide books to Boys and Girls Club, uh, Youth Haven, Guadalupe Center, uh, some of the um, schools that have programs associated with the Y. This past summer, the Sheriff's Department asked us to um, provide books at their uh, community events. They called them Hot Summer Nights. Uh, it was um, great success. It was on Thursday nights, and they were in all different parts and parks uh, in the county. And uh, the Sheriff's Department has invited Books for Collier Kids to participate in their Celebrating Safe Communities event, huh. uh, which is going to be in October, uh, October 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th. And they are similar to the Hot Summer Nights. They are at all different locations. So Golden Gate, uh, Everglade City, North Naples, East Naples, Immokalee. And these are uh, uh, free events uh, for the family, uh, real partnership uh, with the Sheriff's Department, bringing neighborhoods, communities, businesses, and law enforcement uh, together. And so we're thrilled that... Uh, Sheriff Rambosk and his staff have asked us to uh, be there and um, provide uh, free books to the children. Well, I'll tell you, literacy uh, floats all boats. I think that's just fantastic. Now, uh, you mentioned free. Uh, how, how do you pay for these books? How do you get them and, uh, <laughs> to give out to the kids? The, uh, well, we are fortunate that we have tremendous buying power. So books that would typically retail for $10, $15, or $20 at Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Target, uh, we can typically buy for about a dollar and a half. Wow. And that is thanks to 
um, the uh, first book, uh, Book Bank, and first book, Marketplace, where publishers uh, donate excess stock, and then we basically are able to buy it in large quantities. Typically, we're buying 3,000 books of the same title at one time because, yeah. you know, we provide that many uh, books ch- to the children. And when we give books in the classroom, all of the children receive the same book. The teachers know in advance what book is going to be distributed that month. And if they choose, they can build a lesson plan around that book. Oh. And uh, when the children get the book, there's actually a book plate inside that says this book belongs to and then the teacher writes in you know Anna's name or Jane's name or Bobby's name um, inside the book so it really is uh, it belongs to the child and many times Bob not only is it their first book but the other is so many times it's the first time the children have received anything brand new yeah because so often they're getting the hand-me-downs from you know, their older brothers and sisters. Yeah, so impactful. Well, you have a website, booksforcoyerkids.org, all one word, booksforcoyerkids.org. And uh, I'm sure if you can make a donation, uh, I'm seeing here that uh, $50 buys one book for every child in the Head Start or Pre-K program. Donate $500, you can support an entire classroom for a full year, which is pretty impressive. So, uh, Sally, just genuinely, I appreciate the uh, work that you're doing. I appreciate your contribution to the community, and thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's my pleasure, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Bob. You as well. Thank you, Sally. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere 
that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston of Space Architecture, author of many books. Uh, his latest, what a great read, I just finished uh, a couple weeks ago, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Larry Bell. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, Professor. So um, I really enjoyed your book, and uh, you had such an ex- you are having such an extraordinary life uh, in terms of your writing, in terms of uh, the companies that you've built. Uh, I was wondering if you could just share with uh, our listeners a little tease on the, the lessons you've learned and the things that are important to you based on your experiences. Yeah, thanks, Bob. At the end of the book, I, you know, the book's kind of a travelogue of, of a lot of experiences and lessons from my life. I've done a lot of, a huge variety of things in my life, but I ended it with, with uh, kind of my life lessons and I, I summarized 12 at the end of them, and uh, yeah, I'll, 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 uh, I'll briefly mention them if, if I might. Sure. Uh, these are 12, 12, my 12 takeaways that, that really come to mind. And uh, I still teach. I'm 84 years old, going on 85, and I still teach my, my students. And, and I try to share some of these with them as well, even though I, I teach technical stuff. The first, the first four have to do with respecting your own values and your own strengths, and and I don't think universities stress this enough that uh, you know we we bring a legacy of our experiences throughout our life and uh, our family, our community, and so on. And whether we design space stations or whatever we do, I, you know we 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 need to appreciate these, and so respecting our own values and strengths. I, I mentioned four of them, and one is that I really follow is allowing your own personal interests to introduce you to great opportunities. Mm. A lot of things we think that our interests are relevant, our social interests and so on are relevant, but actually, that's that's part of the package of our intuition, our experience that we have, and and I I just allow myself to get interested in things, and and you meet people and things that you wouldn't otherwise you know, expect to happen. Don't ex- don't accept boundary limits and give yourself room to work and grow. Don't don't define limits. Uh, I mentioned in the book that you know we we the architects of our lives are the ones that decide where to put the walls and the windows and and in, in our life and uh, and when we when we identify limits, you know it's, it's you know, we 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 are uh, not honoring our potentials. Mm-hmm. Another is pursuits. Pursue success rather than approval. It's easier to, it's easier and it's more fun to achieve. And so, if we do things because we really want 
we really believe in them and we, we we're doing because we care about them. Uh, you know, and sometimes we have to buck, you know, buck the headwinds when we do this. It's it's a, it's a lot easier to follow our own, our own passions than to try to second guess what other people want and then fail. Mm-hmm. And another is to take take uh, sensible and worthwhile risks. You know, with the notion of you know the of security, but I also realize there is no such thing as security. You know, we there's health issues and other events that take place that we can't anticipate, and so. But, so when we, you know, we have to take risks in life in terms of whether it's financial, whether it's emotional or social with friends and so on, we have to risk being ourselves. The second category has to do with continuing to learn and grow. And, and, and the first one is to look at the big picture and keep that in mind when you're designing the parts of something. You know, you, you start with the parts and you wind up with the puzzle and none of the pieces fit. Mm-hmm. And always look at that. Try to look at the large, larger picture, whether it's politics or relationships or everything else. There's one where I mentioned that observing, observing, apply lessons from nature. They never go out of style. The notion that we follow fashions and trends and so on, and and um, basically, as a designer, architect, you know, I think you know we rather than follow what's in the magazines and so on, we Look for lessons from nature, and uh, basically, there's the fundamentals that that we we overlook when we're when we're trying to pursue a kind of a fashion or or whatever seems to be the trend. Mm. Trust your own experience and intuition about about conflicting advice from experts. And we get whether it's COVID, whatever it is in the world, we're getting all this conflicting you know information all the time, and and as I mentioned, that we have, you know, we bring to our life a lot of experiences that I think intuition is really an under undervalued word because intuition is really the sum of all of our experiences that that, that kind of teaches, you know, whether we trust people, whether we trust circumstances, and ultimately, ultimately, we have, we can we can listen to all the experts, but we've got to decide hmm. what feels right and most likely will be right. And another is, I learned because the time is so short and life is so short. Uh, learn to be your own worst critic. Uh, don't waste your time on bad ideas. I see so often people spend a whole lot of time on a really dumb idea <laughs> because they haven't tried to think it through in the very beginning. And and I, I practice that professionally. And and uh, you know I think one of the services. We provide, you know, in, in my field is to help companies avoid walking into walls with, with dumb, dumb, dead end solutions that they would realize were dead ends if they gave more thought at the beginning. Uh, so interesting. But finally, there's there's uh, recognizing the importance of relationships. I think one of the most important lessons that I've I've learned in life, and I learned it from an early uh, experience with with. Uh, a man I very much expected was choose your partners very carefully. That the choices of partners may be the most important decisions you make in your life. That has to do with business. It has to do with you know your your social life and, and your if you're married, your your companionship. The, those who we choose to 
to be our partners in, in, the, in life are so terribly important to us uh, in good times and bad. Be a team player. Put 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 uh, common goals above your own ego and interest. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's. Uh, I think I think being part of a, something, sharing those experiences, is terribly important. And and, and in line with that, share ideas and, and credit with others generously because you can't afford to. You know, and you know, there's no when, when we when we credit someone else, it doesn't take away from our own. Achievements, you know. Right. Uh, uh, the finally is always trying to be honest and fair. Trust is more important than popularity, and 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 uh, I, I think we, when we when we practice this, uh, we realize that sometimes we make decisions that that uh, are, are very difficult and and so on. But but when we try to be, even if we're wrong. Sometimes we, you know, we fairness should be the guide. Uh, don't do something that, because it makes you popular. Do something, and, and I think we see this in Trump. Do things because because we believe in them. Because uh, there's always you're always going to find adversaries. Right. You're always going to find people that will disagree. Uh, professor, I mean, I tell you this. I just encourage our listeners to read the book. You'll understand how these uh, lessons were learned. Architectures beyond boxes and boundaries. So fascinating. My life by design by Larry Bell. Professor, I just genuinely appreciate again. Eighty-four years old. All the things that you've done and that come to these uh, conclusions and thoughts. I really appreciate your time here on the show. Well, Bob, thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, to bloviate on this stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, I've had a, I continue to have a very interesting life. I'm very blessed. And above all, I'm blessed to live in this marvelous country. Uh, I as well. Thank you, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests lined up for Monday as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>